Well, good morning, everyone. Wasn't uh, worship amazing again? Uh, I tell you, I, I don't know how you're doing it, but uh, in your own home, uh, please stand up during the, some of the worship that you can. It's just amazing. It makes this huge difference. You're calling down the presence of God into your very uh, home and uh, expecting the power of God to move in your life uh, this morning as we go through his word and let it have the transforming power that it has. So thank you, worship team, for an amazing job, and we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, I want to just continue on with uh, the message that we started last week, the promise of Pentecost. And uh, uh, as I mentioned last week, in, in one week we're actually going to be celebrating uh, what I would consider one of the most uh, important e- events in all of history, and that is Pentecost. And we know that it's not a denomination, it's not Pentecostalism, uh, but it's really an experience for every born-again believer. And I just pray this morning that uh, as we talk about this, that you would just really open your heart. I know that out there, there's some of you that would uh, be, as we mentioned last week, those that you haven't even really heard about this. You've heard the name the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but yet to really connect it together with the importance of understanding this, uh, I think you're going you're gonna to get some today, and it could be life-changing. Uh, I mentioned last week, we, we celebrate Christmas very openly, and, and that has to do with the Father uh, giving birth to His Son, Jesus, and sending Him to earth uh, here for us and for our benefit. And then we celebrate also Easter, uh, where the Son is uh, recognized for being raised from the dead, as well as uh, dying for all of our sins. And uh, he didn't die for his sin. He was perfect, but he died for our sin. He came to this world just to do that. But somehow, Hallmark hasn't quite figured out how to celebrate Pentecost yet. It's a little wild in in their eyes. And so we really don't see much when it comes to that outside of just within the church. And so I wanted to talk about that. I mentioned last week that Bethlehem represents God with us. In other words, Emmanuel, God is with us when Jesus came. Uh, we, we also talk about Calvary, which represents God for us. He's completely for us. He completely loves you. He sent his son down to prove his love as well as to deal with our sin. And then when it comes to Pentecost, it represents uh, God in us. It takes us to this whole new level. And when you read in the scriptures that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, it's just very we quote it all the time, but I'm not sure that we've really given it the, the, the due credit that it deserves. But it says that we were made to be the temple of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have, uh, whom you have from God? And that you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. And, and when I read that scripture, I think oftentimes we can just slip past the fact that we were made to be the temple for God's actual presence. And when I thought about that, really, that's what Pentecost did. It brought the breath of God back into the people of God or to the church that he birthed on that day. And it's probably a lot actually like in the garden when he made man out of dirt and it says that he 
breathe the breath of life into him. And I, I just think it's the same thing. Pentecost rolls around now. Jesus is actually called the last Adam. And, and we see that at Pentecost, that breath of life was just blown into the church, into each one of us. And I think that's an exciting thing for us to maybe see and get a better understanding of. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8 says this, speaking of uh, the place of the garden with Adam and Eve, and it was after they sinned, and as many of you would know, they went and they hid. But listen to what it says, uh, what they uh, hid themselves from. Let me read this, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, And as they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, uh, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Well, of course, you know, you can't hide from God. But I, I want you to hear the terminology that they were hiding now from the very presence of God. And this is what the Holy Spirit and Pentecost has to do with, is the presence of God coming back into mankind. And somehow uh, the, the, the church seems to have... You know, translated uh, or changed its services to begin to revolve around a few good things and have left the most important thing out. And, and so, you know, we know fellowship is really good, and that's a part of the church. We know that communion is good, and that's a part of our gatherings and our church services. We know that worship is good, and, and again, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. We actually know that the sermons are good and wonderful, but as you look at the Old Testament, and we're going to uh, look at this uh, probably next week a little deeper, when you look at the Old Testament, everything revolved around the presence of God being with the people of God. And we know it was differently because he wasn't in them, but I want to just say to you today that that emphasis was revolving around the presence of God. And I want us as a church to come back to that place to where we are making room in anything that we do to have the very presence of God there. So we're going to read just a few verses out of the book of Acts. We'll look at chapter 1, and we looked a little bit at chapter 2, and we'll look at a couple of verses there. And then I want to just share a couple thoughts on the Holy Spirit in your life and how it's to impact you. And, and let's see if maybe even this morning something might just be triggered inside of you that would see, as Paul said, that my spiritual understanding would be opened. And that doesn't happen with my own wisdom and my own knowledge, but it does happen when the presence of God is with us and, and we begin to hear what he has to say. So let's take a moment and let's pray. And let's just ask the Lord for that divine revelation this morning because again uh, you know we hear Father, Son, Holy Spirit spoken of all the time but how often do we really recognize that we live in the day of the Holy Spirit. The Father has done the plan and began the plan and sent His Son. The Son came and paid for a price and when He left and He's at the right hand of the Father now, He didn't leave us comfortless or alone. The Bible says that He is leaving because it's important for what? The Holy Spirit to come back to live inside of each one of us. And so let's just pray and ask the Lord for revelation on this so we don't just pass it by. So Father, we thank you today for 
every good and perfect gift that comes down from above. We thank you, God, that, Lord, you, you, you want to not only be uh, with us, but you, you, you want to be in us in a unique way, in a special way that is able to transform us and change us as well as to see us be a part of changing the world. And God, I thank you for everyone watching this morning. I pray the eyes of our understanding will be opened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's just look at a few verses. Acts chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And uh, let's read just a couple of these with me if you have your Bible. It says, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So in other words, John's baptism was water, baptism by immersion. uh, And then he's saying, no, there's something else that's going to be coming, and it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we jump over to verse 7. And he said to them, uh, or verse 8, excuse me, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses uh, to me in Jerusalem and, and in Samaria and in Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so we see this whole new uh, side of the church coming to life. God's breathing now his breath of life back into the people of God. And Jesus made us ready for that. And if you look at Jesus' life, you begin to realize that he modeled everything that he's asking us to now do. And we looked at the life of the Holy Spirit in Jesus last week briefly, and we're going to look at the life of the Holy Spirit in us today. What we see taking place here in the book of Acts is the complete process of redemption, which has to do with me accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and believing that He is the Son of God and that He did die for my sin and He was raised from the dead. And I believe that in my heart. Then I confess it with my mouth and I become born again. And then He goes on to say and that to be water baptized. And water baptism has to do with the washing away of our sin nature. And it has to do with the taking on the name of Christ and allowing that to transform our life. But then the third aspect of this complete plan of redemption absolutely has to include the Holy Spirit. We cannot do without it. In other words, it's the agent that's working in us and as, uh, as, as we read, he's working through us. And let me just read uh, this uh, verse here out of Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for what? The remission of sins. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just like salvation, it is free. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I tell you, he, he's made this point so clear for us that we, we don't just take the Father, we don't just take the Son, but we also take the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and I, I think you're going to see in just a few minutes how important that's really going to be for each and every one of us. In the Old Testament, uh, there's a, a couple of scriptures I wanted to read to us. Exodus chapter 30, verses 31 and 32. Exodus 30, 31 and 32. And it says this here. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. Okay, so there's that Holy Holy Spirit anointing. Uh, Oil represents the Holy Spirit in Scripture. It said it shall not be poured 
on the body of an ordinary person, and you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. And so uh, I want us to see that even in the Old Testament, there was a type or a shadow of the Holy Spirit coming to us. And we know that it's, an, it, it's a part of the foundation and the experience that we have in Christ. And even in, in, in Exodus, he's saying, don't pour this out on those that are not saved. But they poured the anointing and the anointing oil on the priest. Now look at Psalms chapter 133 and verse 2. It is like the precious ointment poured out on the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Aaron was a priest. We're called to be kings and priests. And running down over the edge of his garment. So they just, you know, we anoint people with this little dab of oil on their forehead sometimes. But when they anointed people in the Old Testament, they just poured the oil on them. It said it ran all the way down. And I just think that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. He poured out his Holy Spirit. And those people in the upper room, the 120 that were there, came out so excited and so pumped up with the fullness of the Spirit that people actually thought that they were drunk. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 says this here, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both the Lord and and Christ. And again, I showed you in the Old Testament there were the type and shadow of the Holy Spirit was poured on the priest, the anointing oil, and how important that is. And it's really throughout the Old Testament as you study it. But it says here that the, the, the person that you crucified was both Lord and Christ. The word uh, Lord is given to, uh, to, to God as the name Messiah. And we're speaking of Jesus here. He's the Lord of our lives. But then the word Christ here, and he says Lord and Christ. The word Christ here is Christos, and it means to anoint, and it's consecrating Jesus to the messianic office, and it's a furnishing him with the necessary power to administrate it. Uh, and, and he's speaking of this power that's going to come, this anointing that's going to come uh, upon Jesus, and it's called Christ or Christos, the anointing. And I want to take a few minutes because, again, I think as I mentioned earlier, it's easy for us to just, you know, we love worship, we love the Word, we love communion, we love uh, gathering together and having fellowship, but I want us to make sure that our highest love and our highest awareness that we would have, even as a gathering of God's people and the gathering of His church would revolve around God's presence. God is your presence here. And I did a lot of research on the tabernacle of Moses uh, in particular uh, years ago, and, and I realized that they built this huge temple, and then His presence filled the temple. You're the temple of God, and He wants the same thing to happen. And that anointing, that, that filling of God's presence in the tabernacle of, tabernacle of Moses was seen uh, uh, for hundreds of thousands of people. And the, all the tribes of Israel were there, camped around this thing and going through the wilderness. And it says that as the Holy Spirit, or as the Spirit lifted itself from the temple and moved forward, they took the whole thing apart and moved across the desert. Doing what? Following the Spirit of God. Following what? 
the presence of God. We know as we look through scriptures that there was a season where Israel gave up the presence of God and, and, and lost the ark of God. And, and, and it was King David, if you remember the story, when he became king, the first thing he did was, we got to go get the presence of God. I want us to have that same hunger. I want us to have that same desire that, you know, we're not just satisfied getting together. Even in your house right there, you want the presence of God there, especially when we stop to worship him and we stop to, to just let him know that we love him and we desire him. And, and he, he wants, you know, out of, your, out of your belly, he says, will flow rivers of living water. And there's just so much life in, in the life of the Holy Spirit that I think we miss out on because, again, we're just not uh, engaged in the whole idea of God's presence in these temples in such a real way. You know, in Acts chapter 1, 8, it says, it doesn't say that we would go witness, but it says that we will be a witness. In other words, just everything about your life as you allow the Holy Spirit to saturate you and to fill you and to overflow out of you will be with you wherever you go and becomes a very noticeable thing. So let's just take a few minutes now and uh, I uh, emailed you some notes so that you could fill in some of the blanks here, and uh, I hope that you printed those off so that you can do that or pull them up on your computer, because I'd like for you to, we're not going to go through these in a long way, but uh, I, I want you to fill some of this in and do a little bit of research on your own, and let's just see where this will take us in the coming days as we focus on the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and the presence of God. The first thing uh, that it says about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to only, I'm going to read through these, but then I'm going to comment on just a couple of them. The first thing, and we know this, that it's the new birth that is brought about by the Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And then, so you cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit coming to you drawing you, and then you responding to him, as we mentioned last week. The second thing is that the second, the second thing is, is that it says, the Holy Spirit gives me the assurance of my salvation. And I so remember the day that I was born again. I so remember the assurance that came in my heart and the peace that came and, and, and this dead assurity uh, that if I died today, I would be with my God. And I, I just think he brings assurance. The third thing that the scriptures teach us is that the Spirit fills the believer with himself. The Spirit fills the believer with himself. The fourth thing is that the Spirit, <clears throat> by the baptism in the Spirit, enables uh, us to speak in an unknown tongue. And, and again, we're, we're going to probably look at this a little bit more next week. We won't have time uh, this week. But we see in a couple verses here, because I, I think that uh, our focus uh, is to, Lord, tell, teach us everything we can know about the Holy Spirit. Now just listen to these two verses, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all, say it with me, all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. How? As the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, it's one of those things that's very hard to explain, but once you begin to uh, ask God for it, He just begins to give you that other utterance, and as you speak it forth, it just comes forth like a river. It just breaks forth like a river. And Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 says this here, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, in other words, the power of God's with them, and they will speak with new tongues. In other places it says other tongues. And, and so we know that the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
separate from receiving the Spirit of God or having your spirit born again, it talks about this baptism or this immersion that's going to flow out of us. The fifth thing is it says the Spirit speaks to the believer. The Spirit speaks to the believer. So I can anticipate hearing the Holy Spirit from within me. And I I just, it says this in Acts chapter 8 and verse uh, 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. Now listen, the Holy Spirit was asking him to do something here. And, and, and if you know the story, they're in the, in the desert and the Ethiopians in his chariot going home. And, and God gets a hold of Philip and says, hey, I want you to run up there and catch up with that chariot. And I want you to talk to uh, the Ethiopian. And it ended up ultimately he uh, speaks to him. He happened to be reading the Bible. And uh, Philip comes up, leads him to the Lord. And, and, and it's just an amazing thing uh, to see happen. But I, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And there's other verses that are in your notes uh, that you will be able to read. And I want you to anticipate hearing the voice of the Spirit in, in, in your life. Number six, it says the Spirit opens the things of God to us as believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 10 to 12. Now, now listen to this. Uh, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. He's revealed something to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So sometimes we want to know the deep things of God. And it says here that the Holy Spirit is the one that will open those up to us. Verse 11, for what man knows the things of man except for the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. Now, where's the spirit of God supposed to be? In us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit who is from God, that we might what? Know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We read last week that, uh, that the Holy Spirit wants to even show us things to come. See, as, as, as born-again believers, we need to anticipate and not be caught off guard with things, but anticipate what is happening around us and what God wants us to do, because we hear Him speak, just like with Philip, but we also are aware of uh, things that are not seen. And, and I believe that the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. And, uh, and then uh, number seven, the Spirit brings about renewal. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. And <laughs> Number eight says the Spirit strengthens the believer's inner being. Now listen, I think this one here really stood out to me, especially for uh, you know many people today that are living under stress and, and under anxiety. And it's time for us to realize that the Holy Spirit in us wants to help us to deal with those things. Now listen to this, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, Ephesians 3, 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Man, what, what a deal. He's going to give you a, a, just a little dab of his glory, okay? It was an awesome thing. To be what? Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. 
So God wants to actually literally strengthen you from the inside out. And, and I just believe with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the understanding of the Holy Spirit that this can begin to happen and it can begin to change our lives. Verse 9, it says that the Spirit enables the believer to pray. We know that Paul says in Romans 8, you know, and if you don't know what to, to pray, the Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. And, and I think it just puts our prayers into a greater point of target. You know, it says that we can pray and not get answers because we miss the target or we pray amiss or we miss the mark. And I'm thinking he's saying by the Holy Spirit, if we really begin to depend on him and listen to him speak and trust in him and that he's going to begin to direct our prayers. And we know that Jesus had a hundred percent result in all of his prayers. And I believe he wants his people, his church to get to that place. So it enables the believer to pray on target. Number 10, it says the Spirit enables the believer to worship. The Spirit enables you to worship. You know, sometimes people struggle with worship. Well, John said, hey, I, I, you're not, not going to worship here or there, but you're going to worship what? In spirit and in truth. So the Holy Spirit is there to empower you and to help you, uh, help you to worship. Why would that be important? Because worship really draws down the presence of God. The Bible says that He inhabits, He joins in uh, uh, in worship and praise. That's where He comes. He loves that because there's something about the softness of our heart when we really step into that deep realm of worship. As we say it probably often and maybe not enough is that you know when we have worship songs, yeah, go ahead and start singing those songs, but we have uh, intervals in between sometimes or at the end where it's just free worship. And man, if we, if we just learn how to just let ourselves go into that zone and into that place, singing our own song to the Lord, make up your own song and words to the Lord from your heart, you'll begin to experience this, this fresh flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you'll find yourself doing it in the car. You'll find yourself doing it in the store. It, it almost, I think, becomes almost this automatic thing that happens because it's, it's like breathing. You know, it just happens. You're not thinking thinking about breathing, but worship should be the same thing, that we worship Him just all the time. Our worship is arising to Him, and it's in, He's inhabiting, He's around those things. Verse 11, it says the Spirit uh, gives a calling uh, to the believer for special services, and verse number 12 would be the Spirit empowers the believer uh, to witness, and we've read this a couple times, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you uh, will receive power from on high when when the Holy Spirit has come to you. And so there's this special empowerment. The 13, um, it says that the Spirit imparts spiritual gifts. We know that the gifts are of the Holy Spirit. They're not ours. We have access to them. And you can read, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 to 11. And again, please check your email and, uh, and, and you'll get this. And if maybe uh, you didn't get it in your email and maybe I'm not on, you're not on my list, please go. Uh, Go to hopealive.church and uh, send us uh, uh, a request, and I will get those to you as soon as possible. And then the 14th thing and the last thing is that the Spirit brings about the resurrection and immortality to the believer in the last days. Remember the Bible says about Jesus that the same Spirit that raised him from the dead 
will also quicken you. And it quickens your, it says the mortal body, it quickens you in this. And so I hope you're seeing through all of this how much involvement that the Holy Spirit wants to have in each one of our lives. And again, it's one of those topics where, again, we, we maybe don't give quite the credence to the Holy Spirit because we don't quite get it or it sounds, you know, Jesus, yep, I, I can get a hold of that. That's Jesus. He's the Son of God. He was here. He did what he did. But let me just tell you, uh, the Holy Spirit is God, which is Jesus. They're all the three and they're one. And we've sung that song through worship, which I think resonates with all of us that, wow, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're one. And, and so here we have this opportunity in, in, in this coming weekend or this next Sunday will be uh, Pentecost Sunday. And we have an opportunity to really learn and grow uh, uh, to know Him in a deeper way. And that's our desire for you as a church is that you, you wouldn't just experience the, uh, the love of God or the salvation of God, but you'd literally experience the power of God in your life. I, I believe it's really the only way that uh, we can uh, even fulfill our complete purpose. Otherwise, we're trying to do it on our own. But he has a plan and he has a purpose and, and, and really your purpose is to glorify him but you can't do that without the Holy Spirit flowing out of your life. As uh, I, I believe it's John that says, out of your innermost being it's going to flow these rivers of living water. And every time I read that scripture or quote it, uh, I feel like, man, there's such a refreshing that happens as the Holy Spirit is operating in and through your life. So as we uh, head toward Pentecost, again, please continue to read through the book of Acts. Uh, these notes will be in your box uh, if you didn't get them already. If, if you don't have them, just get a hold of me. We'd love to connect with you. And really, in any way that we can help or pray for you, uh, just get a hold of us, uh, and, and we'd be more than thrilled to do that. I want to give you just a bless you for the day with just a prayer uh, this morning as we close. And so let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that your word is, uh, is open and clear uh, about your whole being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we live in this day, that we can have this intimate, close relationship with you through the Holy Spirit. And I, I pray today, even as uh, each one of us reviews these uh, scriptures and reviews this whole idea of how active you want to be in each one of our lives, that there would be some life transformations that take place. I, I pray for each and every one, Father, just allow the Holy Spirit to have its free will in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just say amen. Amen. And, and, and again, next week we're going to go into this a little bit deeper. I think you're going to find it very refreshing and very helpful. And maybe you've uh, not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to trust that, uh, that it's going to happen either this week as you read these scriptures again or next week as we come together and talk about it and go just a little bit deeper with it. And uh, so thank you and God bless you for being a part of this service.